God, we come before you, God, asking as we look into your word that you would speak to us, God, show us what you would have us to know about you and give us the strength, God, to uh, hear it, to receive it and apply our lives to your word. We love you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. OK, we talked about um, we're talking about justification and justification is in the long line of the process or the order of salvation. Our justification and, and the idea, again, I want you to remember all we've talked about when it came to salvation from we were elected. I mean, God thought about us from the beginning of time to we predestinated. God chose us to the atonement, what Christ did for us on Calvary to regeneration. Uh, John chapter three, when, G, when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus, how we were born again to the call. God made a call to us to redemption, how he redeemed us and now to our justification. How we are now justified or made righteous with God. And all of that is by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone, and for God's glory alone. And Fadi had talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Those five solas. Sola Christus, solas fide, solas gratis. I'm going to miss them. Solas gloria. I'm missing one. Solas. Ah, what's that one? Scripture. Scripture alone. That's the only way that we are are justified. So let's talk a little bit about the justification. Justification, first of all, we can, our justification, the fact that we're justified should be something outward, some way that we live, some way that we, we live our life. And so to understand it, uh, we think about it this way. Before we were justified, before we were sinned, before we believed, um, let's say that our, our spiritual account, we were in debt. Everybody knows what in debt means. You owe somebody some money or you owe somebody something. And so the Bible says that we were under the debt of sin. So we owed God for all the sin we had done. And what God did, once we put our faith in him, the Bible, we just read how Christ became sin for us. The Bible says that he forgave us, and we talked about that. And so if this is my account, I'm negative. I mean, I got a whole bunch that I owe. There's no way I can do this on my own. My account is negative. I'm, I'm so behind. What Christ did when I put my trust and my faith in him, the Bible says that he forgave us. And by forgiving us, he took away our debt. And so what forgiveness does, it, makes, it gives us a clean, state, a clean slate. You familiar with that term? And so God takes man's sin, that negative balance that we had, that debt that we owe, and he paid the debt. That's what forgiveness is. And so we go from negative, I owe God, there's no way I can repay him back. God say, you know what, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to remove that debt and I'm going to take away that debt. So that negative balance, what I had, that guilt, that pain, that sin is removed and now I'm at a clean slate. But how was my spiritual bank account? Well, before I was that negative affinity billion, contributing pavilion. Jesus, that's not a real number, but Jesus came and he paid the debt. Now I'm at zero. My account, my spiritual account is still empty. I don't owe anymore because God forgave me. And so what Christ did, that first part, he forgave me. That brought me to a zero balance or clean slate. Then what justification did, it says, now I'm going to take your empty bank account and I'm going to put my righteousness inside. And so now I go from a clean slate zero to infinite righteousness is what is in my account now. That's what justification is. It's that forgiveness of the man's our sin, so that debt that I owed is now paid. Now I'm at zero, 
But then the justification, he declared me righteous. He put his righteousness in me. Now that righteousness is credit. Now my spiritual account, when God looks at it, he sees the righteousness of God. What comes along with that righteousness, that's forgiveness and justification. And so when we put our faith in Christ, the Bible said that we are declared righteous. And so now we have the righteousness of God deposited to our account. So from justification, we get and we're going to as we move on, we're going to talk about sanctification. Sanctification is actually a, a, a living out that actually living righteous. OK, because remember, this justification is, that is just a declaration. It's like an announcement. You are now righteous. Now I have to live my life to 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 uh, live alongside of that and to do exactly what stands in that. So let's look at what justification brings. We talked a lot about it. We're going to end today talking about in the justification point, just talking about what it brings, what it what benefit it has for us. And what are we supposed to do with this fact that we are justified? So in Romans chapter three. Verse three, we read that we already talked about how that we now have righteousness in our account. And so God looked at us. We forgive. He forgave our sins. We fully trusted in God and he put righteousness in our account. So now we have that. Along with that, there's some other things that come with that. Romans chapter five, verse one. Let's turn there together. So now that we've been justified, now we have this righteousness of God. Because we trusted in God, we put our faith in him. We believed in him. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have this is what we have. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that Paul tells us that we have because we're justified because we've been declared righteous is that we have peace with God. What does peace mean? Peace means that the war is over. It's peacetime, wartime. Well, peace means that the war is over. What were we talking about? We're talking about conflict between God. Remember we read a couple of weeks ago how that we were under God's wrath was upon us. Paul says that now that we are justified, the war is over. We have peace with God. And I was, it was interesting. I was reading. It's not just the fact that because God is so holy, his wrath is upon us before we are saved. But it's also the fact that we are rebels. We ourselves. It wasn't just that oh, we were doing bad stuff and God didn't like it. It was the fact that in my sinful state, before I was saved, I was actively pursuing the opposite of what God wanted. And so I was actually a rebel toward God. I was out there fighting against God. The Bible says either you with me or against me. The Bible says that, you know, looking at it, there's only two ways. You can't serve two masters. And so because I was not on God's side, because I haven't trusted in God, I was on the opposite of the side of the fight, which means that I was actively against God. That we were rebels against God. And so now that I've been justified, now I've asked for forgiveness, I've placed my faith, my trust in Jesus, the war is over, I can now have peace with God. That also means that no longer do I have to struggle or fight for his kindness. You know how some people you got to like work hard? For them to be nice to you. You know, some people you got to like really, really put forth for effort. Say, oh, man. OK, OK. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say nothing this time. Or you know what? I'm going to really I'm going to really try to get this person to some people got to really put forth effort to do that. And that's pretty much what we were doing with God. All our righteousness, all those things that we tried to do before we actually trusted in God was our attempt to say, God, look at me. You like me now? 
But now because of we have been justified, because of the righteousness of God is now in our account, the Bible says that I no longer have to fight or struggle to try to gain God's kindness. A lot of religions still believe that. A lot of religions say there's some things you have to do or you might not make it. You know, you got to get on your knees and crawl a Mecca. Or you got to knock on a bunch of doors and do this. Or you, or you got to fast for X amount of time. That's all an attempt to struggle to receive God's kindness. But now that I've been justified, God's righteousness is in me. He has declared me righteous. Therefore, the war is over. I have peace with God. And the cool thing about that peace, if I have peace with God, and he is the author, and he's in charge of everything, and he is almighty and all-powerful, if I'm at peace with God, that means that I can have peace with everything else. That means no matter what situation comes in my life, I can be at peace. Why? Because I'm with peace with God. That means when tribulations and trials come in my life, I can be at peace. Why? Because I have peace with God. I've been justified. I've been declared righteous. So the war is over. And so that peace that I have with God can extend into all the other areas in my life. And it's cool how Paul talks about the peace with God because the next thing he gets into about righteousness, it talks about the access that we have. Verse 2. So we have peace with God. Verse 2, uh, Romans chapter 5. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's a whole lot of stuff in that verse 2. Through him. So we've been justified. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also, not only do we have peace, we have obtained access by faith into this grace. So not only do I have peace with God because I've been justified, Paul says I have access to grace. Now think about that for a moment. I now have access to grace. What is grace? Grace is God's power. God's love, his kindness that allows me to move on to do things. Grace is what we don't deserve. God gives us his grace. But grace is pretty much God's power enabling me to do what I need to do for God. And so what Paul says is not only do we have peace with God, the war is over, but we also have access to grace. So that's that love of God or that favor of God or that power that God gives that we don't deserve. And so now I have this power. I like what he says there. He says we have access by faith into grace in which we stand. So think about it this way. First of all, let's talk about access. That word there, it's got two types of meaning. One, it gives the idea of me being ushered into the presence of royalty, for instance. So let's say, uh, give me somebody royalty. Um, Donald Trump. Okay. He's, he's a president. I guess that's our royalty. I <laughs> say he's the president. Like it or not, he's president. <laughs> and so no matter who the president is, you just can't walk up to the president. You know what I'm saying? You just can't walk up to him. Hey, man, what's going on? And dap him up. You can't do that. You can't walk up to the queen of England or to the queen or the king of anybody and just walk up to him. There are guards there. There are secret services. And so in order to have a one-on-one -on -one with the president or a king or somebody in authority, you have to be ushered into their presence. Someone has to allow you. Somebody might even walk you in there. Remember, um, what's the story in the Bible about Esther? Remember Esther and the king, and then Mordecai told her, go ask the king, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know good and well that you can't go into the king. If you go to the king and they don't lift up the scepter, you will die. 
And so this word access has the idea of being ushers into the presence of royalty. And so we think about it in the context. Paul says that because of this righteousness that I've been declared, because of my justification, now I can be ushered into the presence of the almighty God. So much bigger than any president or any king. I can now stand in the presence of the almighty God. The other idea of that word access has to do with a ship, uh, a big boat that's sailing and, you know, the storm is going on and they're just trying to get to the harbor and they finally get to the harbor and they dock and they take out the anchor and they take out the ropes and tie it down. So no matter what the wind does, no matter what the rain does, no matter what the, uh, uh, the waves do, that boat is secure because that boat is now locked into the harbor. That's the same word that says we now have access to this grace. And so not only are we ushered into the presence of God and the presence of grace, the Bible says we have been tied or anchored down into this grace in which we stand. And so this grace, which is, again, God's favor, God's love, God's power to us, I'm now anchored into that grace because of justification. And the Bible says, though through him we have also attained access by this faith into grace in which we stand. And so we stand. That word has to do with permanent. It's not a wishy-washy thing. It's now I am standing, I am permanently fixed, being ushered in and tied down to the grace of God because of my justification. And so now this power from the love of God, I've been ushered into, tied down. I'm now permanently there. That's where I sit. Now, I don't know why I see, I just think of being ushered in and, and, and to this, this thing called grace. And I just see, I don't know, I, I just see this big green ball. I don't know why green. I don't know, maybe green Latin? I, I don't know. It's not a vision. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I just think of grace, I guess, because grace begins with a G, green. I don't know. But I'm thinking it's this, this green or this, 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 this grace that God has for us. That we have been ushered into it, we're anchored in and we're there permanently, and we stand in that grace. And that grace gives us the power. And so my life as a Christian, my life because of God's righteousness should be filled with power. There's a strength there because I'm tied down to the grace of God. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and watch this, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And the Bible says that not only are we standing in this grace permanently, but we can rejoice in the hope. Now, we talked about hope before. Hope is not, oh, I hope I get to, oh, I wish I get to. Whenever you see hope in the Bible, it's a joyful and confident expectations of a blessing. It's a joyful and confident expectation of a blessing. And that blessing is there is based on God's promises. God has promised us something. And when God promises us something, I know it's going to happen. So I'm already joyful and I'm already expecting it. We talked about Christmas morning. You know, at Christmas Eve, the Christmas tree is there and all those presents are there. And there is an expectation amongst the children. Might be amongst the adults also. But there's an expectation that something under that tree is for me. And so there's some joyfulness, there's some excitement not because I hope I get a present. It's no, I know one of them boxes got my name on it. I don't have it yet because it's not Christmas morning, but I know one of them boxes got my name on it. So I'm joyful and I'm excited about it. That's what the Bible means by hope. 
And so because of that, Paul says that we can rejoice in the hope. We can rejoice already knowing that I will receive God's glory. Everything that God has for me, he will give to me. I know that I can receive that glory based on the fact that I have been justified. So we have peace with God. We have access into this grace. And then what Paul goes on to say something that's not as cool and exciting, but it's very important for us as believers to understand. Verse three, not only that, so it's a continuation. So we've got peace. We've got access to the grace. But not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Wait a minute, Paul. We just got excited. You told me I got peace. The war is over. You told me that now I got grace. So I'm standing and tied down to this power that God has for me because of his love, because of this favor he's given me. Now I have power. And now you're telling me I rejoice in sufferings. That doesn't make sense. Why would I rejoice in suffering? Who likes sufferings? It's interesting that when Paul says that the word there, sufferings, in the original uh, uh, text has to do with pressure. You remember in the, in the old Bible days, they took the, the grape and they squeezed it to get the juice out. They took the olives. They used to squeeze it to get the olive oil out. That's the same word what Paul says. He's talking about a squeezing. Sometimes I feel like life is just squeezing you. Or sometimes I feel it's like that's the pressure is on you. And it's just so much pressure and just so much pressure and so much things and the tribulation and there's trials and there's sufferings. Paul says that we can rejoice in that squeezing. We can rejoice in that pressure. Why? Because of what he just told us. See, he told us, first of all, that the war was over. So now I got peace with God. That means God and I are allies now. That means I have the creator, the almighty, the all-powerful alpha and omega is on my side. One. Two, now I'm standing in his grace. So now I have access. Not only is he on my side, but now I can walk right up to the almighty God because I have access to him. I'm tied down to him, to that grace that I stand permanently. And so now I have this power that I received from God that I have access to walk into that we cool now because the war is over. So now when sufferings and pressure and tribulation and hard times come, Paul says, I can rejoice. Now notice, we're not rejoicing because of the hard time. That's, that's ridiculous. Yay, I ain't got no money. Yay, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. Woo, that's exciting. No, we're not rejoicing because of the sufferings. Notice he said we can rejoice. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing, and he's going to tell us why we're going to be able to do that. The idea is that Paul says that our sufferings, verse, uh, what verse is that? Same verse. Not only that, verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance per produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. And so Paul says that we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why can I rejoice in my sufferings, Paul? Because of what the sufferings are going to produce. Not because of what you're going through now, but what they're going to produce. What are they going to produce, Paul? Well, Paul says, well, let me tell you. First, he says that your suffering or that pressure or that constriction produces endurance. Endurance. Endurance, the, 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 the original word really means to stay under. 
It means to be able to remain under. So that squeezing, that pressure, it's that patience. It's literally that strength or that ability to continue working in the face of strong opposition or strong obstacles. Turn to Hebrews 12 real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. Paul says that your sufferings, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why, Paul? Because your suffering produces endurance. That endurance is that strength. Remember we talked about that power that we have because I'm standing in God's grace. So I have that strength, I have that power to continue working in the face of the tribulations, the trials, in the face of the opposition, in the face of that pressure, in the face of that pressing down on me, that squeezing. I can continue going on because I have the power. Hebrews 12, 2, looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, watch this, who for the joy that was set before him endured. That's the same word. Suffering produces endurance. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus endured that suffering. Why? Because he knew what was on the other side of that suffering, sitting at the right hand of God. And so Paul says that we can rejoice when those trials come, when that hard times come, when that pressure comes. I can rejoice, not because of it, but I can rejoice knowing that on the outside of this, at the end of this, I'm going to be able to get endurance. I'm going to be able to move on or to be strong in this. Endurance is that staying power. Think about that. That staying power that will die before it gives in. I think about our soldiers, our guys who go overseas and fight. Bullets are flying everywhere. They have committed that I'm going to stay here and fight, even if it means giving up my life. I'm going to endure this. And that's what the Bible says. We can rejoice in our hard times and our sufferings because our suffering, the Bible says, produces that endurance. Endurance is not patience which sits down and let everything happen. You know, you think about a daddy with a little baby and a little baby just slapping down in the face. And the daddy's just. That's not what endurance is. Endurance is not, well, well, woe is me. Life is hard. Everything is wrong. I can take it. Give me strength, God. I'm going to take it. No, that's not, what this, that's not what this word means. This endurance means that I'm not sitting down and accepts things, but it's the patience that masters those things. When that tribulation comes, when that trial comes, when that suffering and that pressure comes, I'm able to stand strong. I have the power to continue that strength to move forward because that's what this suffering is producing. Think about Beethoven. Beethoven, the, the great... Uh, Musician, composer, uh, he, the, what they say, probably arguably the greatest composer of music on the planet Earth that ever lived. There's Beethoven fifth and Beethoven seventh, a whole bunch of songs that, that he's composed. Beethoven was going deaf. He started to go deaf. Now you think about that. You're the greatest musician on the planet Earth. And then your ears start to go. And you can't hear. And Beethoven said, they asked him, they talked to him and they said, so, you, you know, you're going deaf. He was like, in his, still in his 20s when he started going deaf. He said, you're going deaf. Are you going to be all right? Are you going to be able to do this? And he, at first he struggled with it, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and let, allow this deafness to take over. I'm going to grab this thing by the horn and I'm going to fight through and I'm going to keep pushing forward. And that was in his 20s. And he continued to write and write and produce music even when he was deaf. Some of his best music was written after that. 
when he couldn't hear anything. Why? Because he didn't quit. What suffering does, what that does is it produces, the Bible says that if we have been justified, and remember all this is under the count that we've been justified. If we've been justified, if we have been declared righteous, come, what comes along with that is peace. What comes along is that is access. And what comes along is that is I can rejoice in my sufferings. Why? Because suffering produces endurance. Then Paul keeps on and he says that endurance produces character. That word character actually means, I must make sure I say this right, testedness. Meaning you've been tested. There's some testedness about you. There's some experience. Think about a veteran. Uh, We talk about veteran wars or veteran sports. Somebody that's validated. Somebody who has some approval. I think about um, right now, it's an NBA season going on. Matter of fact, isn't the Cavs playing right now? Cavs is playing right now. And so you, you got a team who's going to the championship. They're trying to go to the championship. And they, what they always talk about, well, you need some of those seasoned players. You need some veterans on the team. Because in playoff time, you need that veteran to settle the team down. That's what a veteran does. That's someone who's been there before. Someone who's done that already. Someone who's weathered the storms. And so they're not seeing this for the first time. This isn't the first time they got this type of pressure. This isn't the first time they have been in this type of situation. That's what uh, 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 this word here talks about, that endurance produces character. You become stronger. You become purer. You become better. You become nearer to God. This word right here has to do with, um, you think about precious metals like silver. When they find silver, somebody's mining for silver, they pick it up. It's not shiny and, and glossy and see your face in it. It's got dirt and it's impurities and other minerals and whatnot. And so what they do is they take these as many little pieces as they can find and they put them in a pot and they turn up the heat. And they heat it as hot as it can, so hot that it melts. And as that heat melts it, that heat melts it, what happens is they call it dross. The Bible says, well, this is actually science also. Uh, the dross or the bad part or the infirmities or the ugly part or the nasty part or the, the stuff that makes it not pure rises to the top in all that heat. And what the guy does, he takes his thing and he, he cuts off that bad stuff. What that heat does, that pressure did, it allowed all the bad impurities to rise, be able to cut that off. And when you cool it down, it's nothing left but pure silver. That's the word here for character. The Bible says that your suffering produces endurance and that a endurance produces that character. Proving character. I've been through the fire. I've been able to do that. Now I can move forward. Think about the, um, the three Hebrew boys. Now, I, we always talk about the three Hebrew boys and the, what happened before then, and they got in the fire, and, the, you know, the, the things fell off, and Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, there's people in the fire. I put in three, it's four, and they came out rejoicing God, blah, blah, blah. But we never really think about what happened the next day. Think about the next day. I'm Shadrach. Right? <laughs> it's day two, and I'm just walking down the street. Now, this was done in front of the whole nation. So everybody know what happened yesterday. But there they see me. How are people going to look at me? It's Shadrach. Like, that's that dude who they threw in the fire, and then he walked out of fire. That dude can, that dude can withstand fire. Just think about that. Think about them walking around, them going to the store, or them going to wherever they went. You know, they went to church the next day, wherever they went. What type of, what, how are they viewed now? What is it? How are people looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These are people who 
We saw them throw them in the fire. We saw them get out. And now they're just walking around us. There's some type of character there. You look at that person, you start thinking, you know what? There's, there's, something, there's something about that dude. That dude's been through the fire. He's he walking out now. So there's something special about that person. The Bible says that that's what our suffering produces. It gives us the endurance that be able to stick through and go through. And then it builds our character. It makes us stronger. Just like that, 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 that silver. And then the Bible says that that character, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces Hope. We talked about that hope before. It's that joyful and confident expectation of blessing based on the promise of God. Back to the three Hebrew boys. Now, what do you think happened to Shadrach? Five days after the fire, he went to his refrigerator and there was no food in there. You think he flipped out? I just came out of fire. I'm not going to flip out because I ain't got no food in the cupboard or the refrigerator. Because I just came out of fire. So I know I'm going to be all right. Because if God protected me through the fire, I know he's going to help me out with some food to eat. Think about Meshach. Meshach went and, and, and somebody was mean to him. Or somebody hit him or hurt him or something. Somebody just treated him wrong. You think Meshach was stressed out from that? <laughs> hey, man, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I just walked out of fire. You know what I'm saying? So I know if God can deliver me through some fire... I know I ain't going to be stressed about how you treat me. Think about that. Think of Abednego and got no money. He realized he had no money. Now he don't know how he's going to feed his family. He don't know how he's going to pay his light bills. His family is, is stressing his pressure on him. You think any of that stuff fazed him? I just walked out of fire, man. So, so all this stuff that's happening right now, I just walked out of fire. If God helped me through that fire, I know. That's what the Bible says that suffering produces. It produces that endurance, which produces that character, which produces that hope, that joyful expectation, knowing that I'm going to receive the promises of God. I know that I'm going to go through this. No, that's why you can rejoice. That's why Paul says rejoice in your sufferings. I can rejoice now because I know what's on the other side of this thing. It's hurtful right now. It's painful right now. I don't understand it right now. I'm confused right now. My family hate me right now. Nobody understands me right now. It's stressful. It's confusing. I'm getting headaches. My head are falling out. My, I'm getting, uh, 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 what's the thing that burst in your eye? All that stuff is happening to me. My skin is breaking out. I don't have to. Because I can rejoice knowing what's going to happen at the end of this. Why? Because suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which gives me that hope, that awaiting expectation that God is going to give me what he promised me. And Paul says, and that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which he has given us. That's verse uh, five. So what do I need to understand when I'm going through those hard times? That pressure, that stress, that sickness that I don't understand. That's just ripping through my family that I don't know. That financial burden, whatever it is that's going on. First, I have to remember that tribulations and stress has a purpose. The Bible says you can rejoice because that suffering, that tribulation has a purpose. God is allowing you to go through that so that you can get the endurance, so that you can get the character, become a veteran, and become pure. Then you can see the hope. The other thing is that our response to the tribulations 
is demonstrates the reality of our faith. And I want to say that again. How we respond to the pressure is a direct reflection on our faith. Think about that. When hard times come, do you complain? Because that complaining is a reflection on your faith. When difficulties come into your life, do you turn off? Do you just act a fool? Do you react violently or stressfully or you pull your hair out? Because how we react when hard times come, how we react to that pressure, how we react to tribulations, how we react to stress is a direct reflection on our faith. So like we talked about last week, do you truly believe in a resurrection? Because if you believe in a resurrection, there's a certain way you're going to live, walk, talk, think. Do you truly have faith? Have you truly put your trust in Jesus Christ? Because if you have your response to tribulation, your response to pressure, your response to stress should be different than someone else who does not have their uh, faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because I have been declared righteous. Why? Because now I have the peace with God. And so the almighty God is on my side. We're on the same side now. Why? Also, because now I have access. Not only is on my side, I can walk in and talk with him. I can ask him. I can bring my requests, my prayers to him. Bible says don't stress about nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. I can do that now because I have put my trust in Jesus Christ. I have been justified. And so as these sufferings come, my response to that demonstrates the reality of one faith. You can say you trust God. You can say you saved. You can say we got faith. But when the hard times hit, that's when you know. That's when you know. The tribulations produce infinite future and eternal glory. What you got to understand is whatever you're going through is for a time. I use a spiritual word. It's for a season. <laughs> it's only for a time. It's temporal. And we have to understand that when we're going through that. And the Bible says that God will avenge our tribulations for his name and his word. Romans chapter 8. We all know that passage of scripture. What should we say then? I'm sorry. It says for those. Uh, 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 where is it? There it is. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? First thing he says is, shall tribulation, that's the same word there, that pressure, shall pressure, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall danger or the sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. That word there is super conquerors through him who loved us. So we have to understand that as we go through this, all this is because of the justification. Jesus said, for in this world, you will have, there's that word again. Pressure, tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. Be of good courage. Why? I have overcome the world. So our justification is not just something, oh, good, now I can go to heaven. No, this justification brings along with it peace. It brings along with it access. It brings along that power of grace. But it also brings along the fact that I can go through these sufferings and these tribulations and these pressures now. So how do you overcome that complaining attitude? Remember, one, that your troubles did not take God by surprise. Sometimes I had to remind myself of that. Whatever you're going through, it didn't take God by surprise. He knew it was coming and he's still in control. Two, believe that God has a solution 
and a provision or gift of wisdom to match your difficulty. Three, pray, affirming your faith in God and expressing your confidence in his love and his loving purpose for you. When those tribulations come, when those hard times come, those difficulties come, fall on your knees. And what I like to do is I like to throw God's word back at him. I like to remind him of what he said. Say, God, I'm going through this right now, but you said you have never seen the righteous forsaken. That's what your word says. You said that the, you will always supply what I need. That's what you said, God. So you know I need this right now. So, God, I'm falling on my knees and I'm going to wait patiently and excitingly, Amen. joyfully for what you're about to do. Amen. Wait expecting, wait uh, trusting that God is going to work out his will. And lastly, praise him even before he acts. We have victory with God. Last verse, Romans chapter 5, 17. And there's so much, so much, so much more we could talk about justification. We could, like, like Padilla said, it could be like 18 messages just on justification. But in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we can reign in life. We have victory, reign, like a king reign. We have victory because of the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness that God has given us. And so those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, we need to live like it. These are the tools that God has given us because we have been justified, because we have put our faith in his work on Calvary. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word we have to look at, God. And we thank you, God, that as we go through our tribulations or, or through our trials or hard times or sufferings or our pressure, God, you have told us in your word, God, that because of the righteousness you've given us, because of your grace, access, and peace, God, we can rejoice even in that from what you did for us on Calvary, God. So I pray, God, as each of us have our own situations, our own struggles, our own pressures, God, that we're going through, that, God, we will look at your word and find shelter in your word, God, that we will be like that ship who tied into that dock of your grace and your power and put our anchor down and tie our ropes down real tight and secure, God, so no matter as the waves of suffering and as the wind of persecution and as the storms of pressure come on our lives, God, we are safe in your harbor of grace. And I pray, God, that we will rejoice knowing that you are what you have for us to the end, God, that we will be glorified and that your promises will be yes. Be with us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.